American Scouser podcast. We are recording this episode on April 12th. And I am your host, Timuchin, with the usual crew. Spring is here, gentlemen. It was kind of like a mixed week back and forth, just like the freaking weather in Chicago over here. But uh, let's get the introductions out of the way. Everybody should know the crew by now, especially Mr. Peacock over there. Paul Bickler's with us. What's up, Paul? Um, I've got one kid homesick, one kid grounded for life, and one kid that'll only eat carbs. So uh, that's probably all down to me. That's not bad. Put them all together and you got one solid kid going there. <laughs> also with us, with no kid issues yet, underlining yet though, is Jamie. Irish Jamie's with us. What's happening, man? Not too bad, lads. Happy to be here. So, gentlemen, like I say, it was kind of like a mixed week of results. Uh, some good, some bad. Uh, we kind of were afraid of some of the things that were going to happen and they did them. So here's what I want to do. So we'll start with our usual 60 seconds with Jamie, as always. Uh, I kind of figured we'll talk about the Champions League as a group first, like the first game and looking ahead to this Wednesday's game. And then we'll come back to the Premier League and uh, going for the top. But as always, we will start with Jamie, who is going to get us caught up with all the Liverpool news in 60 seconds and go. Well, as we know, folks, uh, this Thursday marks the 32nd anniversary of the Hillsborough disaster. So Wednesday evening, the club will observe a minute silence, uh, wear black armbands, display tributes on um, the LED board surrounding the pitch, obviously, as well. But on the Hillsborough disaster, um, Margaret Espinall, has, uh, the, the former chair of the HFSG, has announced that the group is now folded uh, in the official LFC TV interview. Aspinall urges fans to no longer provide financial support. Quota is saying that um, people need peace in their lives and to start trying to reflect and remember the 96. As everybody must know, we were doing a lot of fundraising during that time. We don't need to do that now. The fundraising part is over. So that's that's terrible time. We all know that, but great news. You know, they're, they're, they're now, you know, may they finally rest in peace. Uh, on to the LFC women now and the interim manager, Amber Whitley, or Whiteley has been awarded the FA Women's Championship Manager of the Month. Well done to her and the entire team. And staying with LFC women, with they will face Burnley or Man United in the fifth round of the FA Cup, but only if they beat Leicester in the fourth round. So the draw has been made. Um, the game versus Villa was Jurgen Klopp's 100th win at Anfield. And um, also good news is that the Anfield Origins Tours are reopening April 16th, that's this Friday, and full operations for Anfield tours will probably resume June 3rd, but the Anfield Origins one is a fully outdoor, COVID-friendly tour. Nicely done. I don't know. I didn't time that, but that was perfect. Uh, so <laughs> After my monumental mess up last week, that's uh, <laughs> par for the course. <laughs> hey, one week is good, one week is bad. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> One thing going back to Hillsborough, I think that's one thing. I mean, I would think most of our listeners are familiar with it, but if you're newer to the club, it's something definitely you want to read about, uh, watch documentaries about and stuff like that. I mean, I know like down the road, we would really like to have like a a big portion of the site, especially when we cover like historical stuff, uh, a lot of resources there for people to go to. Because I think it tells, uh, if you're, like I say, if you're especially a newer fan of the club, uh, it talks a lot to in terms of the social setup of the club, uh, like important turning points and why certain things are the way they are, you know, 
what newspapers we don't read and stuff like that. So I think it's like kind of like a huge deal to know uh, about Liverpool. So especially a newer fan, it's something definitely you should look into. And hopefully uh, pretty soon over here, we'll have a lot of information on the website you can refer to to so get all caught up. So. So, gentlemen, I was looking for the weekly trivia to see what I can stump you guys on this week. And I, I was actually amazed. I was trying to get something more with like to do with Real Madrid. And I'm kind of like amazed that we have not played them a lot all these years, uh, that we have not matched up against them a lot. So that was kind of like, odd. but I did run into this, which I thought was interesting. So we're going to go to the Premier League, uh, the Premier League era, the entire Premier League era. Who has Liverpool scored the most goals against? So, Jayma, we're starting with you, buddy. Who you got? All right. Um, I'll guess. Wink, wink. Uh, it's got to be Villa. No? I, I, I might I hate the spoiler See, for everybody, but I... That's reverse psychology. I wouldn't do that to you now. <laughs> I, I, I vaguely remember reading something along those lines. Paul, am I wrong? I mean, that would make sense. Villa's been there forever. I mean... They've, they've been in the league forever. They're probably one of the oldest teams, so that makes the most sense. Um, I'll go. I think Jamie's right. I would I would have choose I would have chosen Villa. I will choose to. I'll go Fulham. Oh, Conse- well- consequently, <laughs> if I am right, it's only because I've read it. The the other time I was right, it was a complete guess, and I got it right. France, I read the wrong France, article, man. France, that's not France correct. Being, oh, it's not correct. All right. Good. Good. I'm wrong. That's all right. then. Yeah. So, yeah. Stay tuned because, yeah, neither one of the answers are correct. So we'll go back to that. Uh, I'll let you guys chew over that a bit more. But, yeah, I was actually semi-shocked, but uh, it's one of the teams that we played a lot. I mean, we play them actually almost as much as Villa. Uh, but scored a lot more goals on them. So we'll go back to that. So let's start with the Champions League. Uh, when we left last Monday, obviously the game was the next day and we had, you know, great hopes. We thought, you know, we could really take advantage of their injuries and do something with it. But obviously it did not turn out that way. Um, I consider it a blown opportunity. What do you consider it, Paul? Yeah, definitely a blown opportunity. I mean, I think we had, we looked at those injuries and we wanted to ride um, Jota's form through that and I don't know man I guess I think Jurgen thought he saw an opportunity to ride some hot form give Bobby a rest and um, obviously we'll talk about Nabby. I think the decision was like he's our most direct creative uh, scoring midfielder and he provides the best press um, as well and I thought I think they it was kind of two birds one stone he think he, he thought he'd get some firepower out of Nabby, and he thought he could basically supplement some of the press we lost with Bobby um, with him. And it just massively backfired, obviously. So what, I mean, I'm glad you kind of like mentioned that in terms of um, having, you know, sudden Nabby because of that creative, I mean, so Jamie, did we kind of get hustled uh, <laughs> just because they were, they didn't, we knew they didn't have center backs. Did we almost like get tr- tricked into playing a bit more aggressive than we normally would? Well, it, it was Cruz. Cruz, the one for me, you know, like he was supposed to be injured. He played 20 minutes the weekend before and he just waltzes into the team. And, you know, we all know what happens. His beautiful pass. Anyway, um, 
yeah, I, I, it seems like a massive missed opportunity going back to your first point. I, it's just hard to take, isn't it? I mean, to me, the biggest shock was, like I say, Keita. And I know we talked about Nabi before. And I personally think we all wanted to almost suck. We almost ha- all of us wanted to succeed so much, mainly because maybe the price tag or the fact that we waited him for so long. And not to mention, we've, you know, because as we were waiting for him, we got to watch him play in the Bundesliga. Whereas, yeah. you know, like we signed somebody, you know, everybody runs to the YouTube and it's a highlight of the guy doing all kinds of like ridiculous things. And we're like, oh, he looks really good. Uh, whereas with Nabi, like we saw him like game after game, like we're like, man, this guy is going to be great. And I feel like he kind of gets the benefit of the doubt, whereas another player would maybe not get as many chances. And obviously the ability is there, but I thought it was a huge mistake on Klopp's part. Uh, it was kind of a gamble of looking like a genius or, you know, looking like a dud, and which is what the latter is what happened. I mean, that midfield, we talked about it on the podcast about like that was being their strength and that's where we would have to battle them. And putting out Kate over there was a bad move. But more importantly than that, Paul, taking him out in the 42nd minutes, despite his performance and not that anybody played well, but I really he was going to be the one coming out as opposed to like genie or somebody, but um, wasn't that just wrong to throw him under the bus like that in the 42nd minute? I almost felt bad for him. And, you know, that's saying a lot because I'm probably out of three of us. I probably criticize him the most. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was as wrong as starting him to be quite honest. <laughs> I mean, like, like I get, I get what you're saying, but like at this point you're in a two leg, uh, tie with Real Madrid. And I think to me, it was just damage limitation. Like it was like, he was seriously struggling, not only in possession, but out of possession, um, completely lost in there. And we were essentially playing a man down. So like to his psyche, yeah, it probably was, is, is really hard for a player for that to go through. But I think at some point you have to put the team first, you know? And I think that's what was happening is I think essentially, um, you know, he thought he could he could do damage limitation and and plug in Thiago and at least we'd feel like we had eleven guys back out there. Um, so I put that. I mean, that probably gets put on Jurgen though because I think the decision to start him. I, I would have never started a guy that had spent that much time out of the team in this fixture, regardless of whether I thought it was a good opportunity or not. Yeah, I mean, I felt I mean, maybe it's nitpicking. Maybe if he stayed in the and in the forty fourth minute, it was three zero. Maybe I was gonna be like, hey, why did you enjoy it that long? But I just felt it was kind of like a kicking the balls for him to be like, you know, like being yanked when you know, I you know, like when it's a stream, it's like slightly behind. And when <laughs> to be honest, when somebody put wrote on the Discord channel that he's pulled. I hate to say it, my initial my initial reaction was I thought he pulled a muscle, like he pulled a <laughs> hammy or something like that, knowing like his injuries. And I thought it was kind of like unfair for him to be like yanked like that. But what did you think, Jamie? What is your take on that? I mean, I think it's fair to refer to Nabi in the past tense now. <laughs> like, Do you think so, really? I, I don't know, lads. That's it's a it's a long way back. He, Ah, uh, he's just an enigma. I don't get it. Like, he, if he's been performing well, tra- obviously training's a much different kettle of fish than Real Madrid first team Champions League on a Tuesday night when you haven't played football all season. Um, but like you rightly said, we, we, we have such high hopes for him and we probably have given him a bit too much leeway or more leeway certainly than any other Liverpool midfielders had 
Um, I, I, I don't know. I think it, it could possibly be time to cut our losses. Yeah, I, like I say, I, any other player... And I'm player, the biggest Nabi fan, do you know what I yes, mean? Yes, you are. See, like, if I said that, it would be like, I you know, Victor would be all over me saying, oh, I don't like Nabi and stuff. But I, I feel like, you know, I'm hesitant to say that. I don't know if that's partially because we've seen the potential or the price tag. I can't put my finger on why I say that, but I feel like he still will get his opportunities um, unless, you know, somebody offers like a ridiculous amount for him in the summer. Yeah. Where do you stand on that, Paul? I mean, do you think you're a bigger yeah, I don't know, fan? Man. I, I really don't know. I, I would I would have agreed with you before this week. I would have. I would have said he would have gotten opportunities, but, like, it was such a bad performance, and it was such an early hook that it makes me wonder. It really does make me wonder. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I've always pulled for him. I always thought he was dynamic when he was in the Bundesliga, and I don't understand where the drop-off has come, have the injuries – like collectively caught up to him are we playing in a system that he can't adjust to is it too physical for him i don't know what i don't know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me and i think the fact that no one can really put their finger on it is why we're all so like pulling for him not only the price tag and the weight but it's just there's no tangible thing that we can grasp onto oh he's too small he's he, he doesn't have a spot in our team like there's nothing that we can really hold on to so it's hard for me, man. Like, I wonder if he's ever going to get a shot again. But to me, it, it really comes down to what can we get for him? Um, is his price fallen so much? Um, if it hasn't, then I can see us probably offloading him. If he has had a substantial dip in evaluation and nobody's going to come close to putting up some money for him, like some decent money, then he might get a shot. He might stick around. We might try to find a way to get him back into the fold. He's also the type of player for me that could change this around completely. All this being said, and, and it, like, he just seems the type of player that could turn it around in, in an instant, but uh, we've seen glimpses of it, you know? I, I don't want his time to be up, but uh, it's, it's damning, isn't it? I just feel bad for the guy because I felt like he was set up to fail in this scenario. And if this is the game that determines, you know, his future, which I'm sure it will not buy itself... Uh, but I think that's extremely unfair to him because I thought throwing him out there to start this game when he hasn't started in a while, uh, I thought, you know, easing him in like, you know, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes, like what we used to do with Ox and stuff uh, would have been a lot better way to go uh, build his confidence up because the dude really fits in terms of his pressing and stuff like that really fits. But I mean, I don't even know. I would have to go back and look and see if he even started, if that midfield trio ever started before. Uh, so to throw him in that situation against Real Madrid, and despite their injuries, the solid part of midfield was still there. And that's the part he's going to battle. I just felt like it was kind of setting him up to fail. And not only that, he didn't have Bobby in front of him to help him with that press. And that's probably even, you know, was missing even more. I mean, we're more used to Klopp and, you know, the more boring midfield, especially in these Champions League games, you know, everybody complains about, oh, not enough creativity, blah, 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 you know, you know, putting Genie, you know, Handel, Milner, you know, we saw that over and over again. And that's why our predictions were always, 
you know, more conservative. I don't think anybody would have guessed Keita out of three of us, even if we had like five guesses for the lineup. But uh, so I know you alluded to it earlier, like in terms of like Jota being the hot hand almost, and we kind of went with that. But what do you think of that decision to start? I mean, how does that translate, I guess, into tomorrow, Jamie? Uh, I mean, Wednesday, I should say. Uh, do we still go with Jota or is Bobby going to be back because we need his press? My my issue or my my issue my point was rather to it's it's Klopp it's on the onus on Klopp to figure out a way how to get the four of them on the pitch at any given time, you know, if that's Jota coming off the bench for the last thirty minutes, those four on the same pitch at the same time, if we can get that to happen and and you know everybody to click and play fantastically, then great. But um, starting Jota over Bobby, I don't know, it's difficult. Bobby is the linchpin. He's He's the the social lubricant in Liverpool's wheel. <laughs> um, he's brilliant, but yeah, I don't know. You can't you can't not want to squeeze Jota in your team just simply because of the goals he's scoring. What do you think, Paul? I, mean, I the sense I get is we will fix our mistake and go back to our regular trio and the lineup that was kind of building some momentum in the Premier League is what we would go back to uh, with Genie, Thiago, uh, Fabinho in midfield and the regular three and then hang on to Jota to, you know, if we haven't scored the goals we need, maybe come in afterwards and give that impact off the bench. What do you do for the starting lineup? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually starting. I'm giving Sadio a rest is what I'm doing. Um, I know that's I know that's a little bit of a game changer um, and a little bit of a curveball, but to me, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I don't think it is a coincidence that Andy Robertson had his best game in literally months in the only game that Sadio Mane was out. Okay, like I think it opened up a lot more space for him. He seemed back to being. Uh, a lot more proactive going forward instead of reactive. He didn't look like he was trying to force some interchange down the left side. He just looked way better. Um, and I think Jota still provides that direct attack. Um, we haven't seen him, a lot of him and Bobby together, but when we have, I think it's been really dynamic. I think Bobby provides that deep drop link up play that this team has to have, especially on the counter, which is super, super important against a midfield as strong as Real Madrid's. So I'm starting Bobby. I'm starting Jota. I think, Sadio still looks like he's struggling, man. He looks gassed. He, he's short on confidence. Um, I know why he went for that shot last game at the end of the game um, and the weekend. Or on the weekend, I would have loved to see him slide it over and at least get an assist and get some confidence that way. Um, I just think he looks like a man right now that just needs to reframe. And, and I think the fact that him out of the lineup made Andy better, I don't think that's a coincidence. Hmm, that's an interesting take, actually. How about you, Jamie? Who do yeah. you have in the stunning 11? I can certainly see where Paul's getting there with Andy. That's that's he's definitely not wrong. Like Andy played out of his skin. Um definitely not Nabby. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd be happy enough with a midfield of of um Fab Tiago and, and Genie. And obviously Trent at right back, our two center backs and um Robo on the left. So you are starting with who up front as a trio? I'd, I'd go along with Paul, definitely. Go with Paul. Yeah, yeah, I'd start Jota on the left. 
I definitely understand the sense behind it. I just don't see it happening, especially because we rested him. Right. I think on top of that, that's probably my decision making in terms of that. But I definitely understand why. I mean, the, the reasoning behind it definitely makes sense. I just feel like we kind of like rested him for this. Uh, we kind of really want him to get going. And uh, yeah, he is going through. I mean, we covered the last week in terms of like the big chances mixed, missed in the league. And yeah, uh, I agree with that last situation in the Villa game too. Would have loved that ball to go to the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, an assist would have probably gone a lot more longer than, you know, what happened at the end, yet another miss kind of thing. And it would have been like an easy goal. But so we're going to get back to that game. But so I know there's a lot of parallels in terms of, in some ways there is, in some ways there isn't with the Barcelona matchup where we kind of like came back, but then suddenly turned things around. Uh, while I still see the possibility, mainly because of their injuries more than anything else, to be honest with you, and I don't think they are as good as that Barcelona team was going forward, at least. Um, but at the same time, we don't have the same team out there either. Uh, so do we make the comeback, Paul, or what is your prediction for the game? I mean, I think it's it's possible we make the comeback, right? I mean, but I think we have to understand what Klopp said I think he's right. I mean, he said that basically, you know, 85% of that comeback was down to Anfield. And when he's talking about Anfield, he's talking a, a, about a stadium full of, of supporters, right? And, and that's big. I mean, atmosphere is big. We don't have that. And I think that's a huge factor that a lot of people, you know, I, I don't know. I You you get it, Timuchin. Me and you are like grumpy old guys, right? So, like, I'm, I'm pessimistic at best. Um, and irritated when I hear all this, like, oh, we've come down from worse, we can do it, you know, because I think it sort of like um, undervalues um, how hard it is to make a comeback like that and how special a comeback like that is. It's not just a matter of, oh, this is a team that can do it whenever they want to flip a, a switch and, and make that comeback. It's a very unique set of circumstances that has to occur. And I think atmosphere is a huge part of that. So, like, I feel. The chances, this is not as big of a comeback, okay? So, like, that's where I think our chance lays is because we have an away goal. It's not like we're overcoming a three-goal deficit. I think the chance is good we can do it. But I think I think to say the thing is probable it is being, like, ridiculously optimistic considering the, the, the team that this is right now without its spine and the fact that we don't have that Anfield atmosphere. I have no idea what you're talking about when you talk about old grumpy member. I, I, I didn't get that analogy at all, but whatever. Yeah, it wasn't fair for me to throw you in there without asking. I'm sorry. No, I am the ultimate pessimist. I just feel there's a chance if things go our way and not having fans is obviously a big part of the deal. I mean, when you look at two big factors that was against Barcelona, I think obviously fans is big. Getting the early goal was huge and I think it will be the same case on Wednesday and then I thought I trusted our back line a lot more in terms of not conceding I mean going into a Barcelona game I'll be honest like I mean because I am admittedly <laughs> the grumpy old pessimist guy I did not see us doing that comeback against Barcelona I know everybody is like oh I knew we were gonna do it I knew we we're gonna do it I don't know how many of those people really said that before the game everybody said it after the game but um but I was more after you know let's go get a win and erase that because we really kicked their ass in Barcelona and it wasn't a fair result to get 3-0. Um, mm. And my biggest fear was, I don't know if we can stop them from scoring. And I almost feel the same way in this game in terms of a counter. I don't know if I trust that back line 
in terms of you know the pace, especially them kind of like abusing the side with where Phillips is with Trent, uh, with Vinicius like running behind like crazy with the speed. That's probably my biggest fear. Yeah, having said that, um, my prediction is this is going to be like a heart attack, a full heart attacks. Uh, I say 3-1 in regular time, and then we win 4-1. Well, the other problem with that is, is you said we got to score an early goal, which implies we have to score in the first half. Yes, that does not happen much. And your boy <laughs> Divock might not play, which is probably the biggest loss of all. Uh, we're not going to have him and his goals out there. But what do you predict there, Jamie? Well, we scored in the first half of the weekend, didn't we? It just fucking got chalked off because of oh, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I think Real Madrid are there for the taking. I think I thought that the first leg, I thought we should have went straight for them. Look, the, the, the fact is we can beat them. We just cannot play anywhere near like we did last Tuesday. I think, yeah, I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be a good game. I really feel like we have a chance. I think just because of, you know, the quality we have, and I feel like we just did not take advantage of their injuries. And they lost Vasquez, I believe, today as well. So yeah. he's not going to be there. Uh, so that might actually maybe help Mane if he plays. But let's hope for the best. Um, and then so that we keep going, I feel like we had a good path. It looks like Chelsea will make easy uh, work of Porto headed to the semifinals, but I thought that's a favorable matchup for us as well. But let's see what happens there. So let me let's get back to the Premier League. And before we get back to the Premier League, let me give you guys the answer. Do you guys want to take a second guess here before I give you guys the answer? No, go ahead, Paul. You sure? Because your guess was a lot worse. <laughs> uh, Stoke. Man, it's getting only worse. Um, Newcastle. Bingo. Third time was the charm. Forest Green Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Newcastle is the one. Uh, let me go back to my numbers here. 104 goals against Newcastle in 51 games uh, well, is the team that we scored the most against. That's the in the Premier League. That's in the Premier League era, yes. Right. Uh, for your I guess, have, Villa. I have, I have here. We've scored more league goals against Vela than any other team. We've scored 329 league goals against Vela. See, that's why what you get for Googling in the background. Yeah, so he sets you up because he knew you. <laughs> no, because it's it's on it was on the stats. Oh. It was on the stats on the official Liverpool website, and I read it like a few days oh, ago. Oh, that's the one that you read. No, this is basically just Premier League era. Like Villa, we played 52 games against and we've scored 90 goals. Actually, the second team in that list was Tottenham with 100 goals, but we played them 58 times. Wow. Uh, so that was kind of interesting to see. Uh, I didn't never, I would have never guessed Newcastle either. That's why I picked that question because I figured you guys wouldn't either. Uh, so <laughs> there we go. Now you guys know it's now I got to work on next week on getting another stumper. So let's get back to the Premier League. Uh, the Villa game comes up. Obviously we had to win it. Uh, at this point, I think it's proven, especially these teams are playing each other. Uh, but if we keep winning, the top four is still within reach uh, with Leicester City losing I put it in my article of like what to watch uh, that I put up on Fridays where I try to pick the best games for you guys for the weekend. Um, and I put that up for the West Ham game. I felt like, you know, that was a win-win for us in some ways. If West Ham lost, uh, that was going to be good, obviously, in terms of like catching up to them. But if they won, 
uh, that we're going to pull Leicester City back down. Uh, so now I almost feel like third and fourth spots are going to be up for grabs. But let's go to the game first. Uh, it felt like we played a lot better. Uh, we should have scored, as always, especially that Mo Salah one, uh, when it was one-on-one. But then the nightmare starts. Uh, we get scored on with like the pretty much almost like their first chance, if that's. Uh, but what did you make of the lineup and the performance in the first half? And then we'll kind of get back to the Bobby goal, because I want to kind of ask you guys something about VAR on that. But Jamie, let's start with you on this one. Uh, what did you make of the lineup with Milner coming back and everything like that? Well, something had to be done, basically, didn't it? Like, you know, Klopp answered some questions there. And, um, I mean, Filler, it, it was always going to be a tough game. And, and they did they did give it a go. And, I mean, that first half, I'd, you know, you're just left with that pain that happened at the end of the first half. So, uh, the first half completely tamed it. Like, and, and my joke... And the and the Real Madrid question, like, yeah, we did score in the end of the first half. Like, I, I don't know. Somebody help me out, lads. I'm I'm varred out. So VAR. Here's my question. Before we, you know, we'll dissect the game more. But since you brought up VAR, and obviously it's going to come up with that first goal. Here's what I I realize. Um, we can have a whole episode, and we'll probably have all summer as they change rules and stuff to kind of like cover that in terms of how to make it better and stuff like that. But here's my question. If you had the choice right now to go back five years with no VAR, nothing, do you do that or do you do VAR as it is now? Paul, you're Mr. VAR. I mean, I'm certainly not happy with it now. I'd go back. I'd go back in a heartbeat. I mean, I'd way rather talk about fucking off refs directly than fucking off refs that are camped up in some in Stockley Park behind a monitor, you know? Like, I mean... We're going to pound on him either way, might as well. If yeah. we're, we're going to get it wrong, I mean, let's just, like, stop all the bullshit and at least be able to celebrate goals again. Yeah. Where are you at with that, Jamie? Like, if that's I'm your almost choice... There. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I swear to God, I'm almost there. And, like, I, I was... What is it gonna take, my man? <laughs> I know, I know. Like, and I look, I'm, I'm all for progressing football, and I think the referees are shite in general. I think they have been shite in general, but I honestly think they got more right than they have with the aid of technology, and I find that a scary assumption. I, I'm, I'm not alone in that. You know it. <sighs> I guess I'm still on the boat in the only sense that it, it has to be this bad for it to get better. Like all the other leagues seem to have finally gotten it right by now, except for the Premier League. And it's beginning to be a bit of a joke. Like it, it's, it's horrendous what we're seeing. It's week in, week out. And I feel like I'm on constant repeat this season. We're talking about VAR yet again. It's ridiculous. I think, and I wanted VAR so bad all this time, you know, like, let's fix I this. Why don't we use technology and stuff? But, man, it's almost like be careful what you wish for. <laughs> and I did not see, I honestly did not predict this side effect of it where it sucked the hell out of the emotion out of the game. It sucked the hell out of the excitement out of the game. 
even with Trent's freaking goal, I know because we're Liverpool and we kind of constantly get screwed by it, but regardless of how clear it is, I'm still never sure. I'm still not sure until, you know, the other, the kickoff happens. And that totally sucks the emotion out of it. I always joke about, you know, like my dog, he gets a treat every game. And now it's like, dude, hold on. We got to watch VAR. He hates <laughs> He, he, he fucking hates VAR. I can tell you that right now. Because <laughs> I can't make him throw it up once I give him the snack. And if I don't give him the snack, it's part of our Liverpool charm. And, you know, it's like, you know, I, you know, you jump up or he knows when there's a goal just because of what's going on. First of all, you know, I got to teach him better, but he gets excited regardless of who scores because he's listened to the commentary. But uh, <laughs> so, he kn- <laughs> so he knows something exciting happened. He's like, there's a freaking goal, dude. Let's go get this tree. There's, there's a like, treat in on. this for me. There's a treat in this for me. I know it. I'm like, hold on, dude. There's a VAR check here. And he's like, mother. <laughs> so <laughs> and I think it's like, you know, his excitement is gone. My goddamn excitement is gone. It just feels like I'm just watching the game like a zombie i used to i'm pretty animated and watch games that's why i try not to go to bars so i don't get kicked out or get the cops called on me uh, <laughs> i scream and yell a lot neighbors love it they know the score they know when we play and everything and, and it's gone i'm like sitting there literally watching it like a zombie like to the point where the household would know the score at least how many goals we scored by the number of they don't even know like my wife will come into the room they're like are they winning i'm like yeah <laughs> it's one zero because i could have freaking celebrate the goal that's the part that i think apart from these lines being drawn all over the goddamn plays that's the part i think that gets to me the most and even if we fix VAR, i don't think that's ever coming back hold on let me ask you this though i know you celebrated the trent winner i okay here's first of all the scenario is i'm on a soccer field it's freaking raining and cold as hell because Layla is playing. Uh, so I'm watching being the good dad that I am with one eye and the other eye is on the phone. So <laughs> he scores. So, yeah, uh, everybody was shocked why I was celebrating because the game was uh, like a, nothing was happening in midfield. A throw in. <laughs> goes out for a throw in to which it's ecstatic. Listen, like, hell yeah. <laughs> you just gotta, You just have to appear as if you're videotaping the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but the, this guy doesn't understand the game at all. It's in midfield. Nothing happened, bro. Uh, but yeah, I just celebrated. But then I was more like watching. I hate, I admit it. So hopefully, Layla's not going to listen to this episode. But I was like trying to see if it went through when we actually did the kickoff. It, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's to me, it has taken the excitement away. And I know, you know, there are good examples of VAR. And there are times where they're like, man, thank God we have it to get things right. If it is for us, it's against us. I don't care. I understand being right is the key thing. But man, once those lines start going around all over the place, I almost feel like the leagues have, I mean, I'm not one of those conspiracy theory guys, but I almost feel like it has made it even more convenient uh, for the leagues to keep things more interesting and close. Because those lines can be drawn anywhere. I mean, the same thing happens in uh, in the Turkish league right now. I feel like to keep the viewership up, to keep everything going, it's a lot easier to have somebody lose a point because their short is over that way. Their elbow is a point. He has a pimple on his nose. Whatever it is, you draw the line and you're like, yep, that sucks. He was offsides. Well, when we're not allowed to hear any of the communication like you are in rugby between the, the ref and, and the actual referee center, 
and then we start drawing those lines, it does look like there is the ability to manufacture an offsides, right? I mean, especially when we don't know for sure. Like, I mean, I guess we're drawing a line from the sleeve, but like we've seen armpits, we've seen hands, we've seen fingers, we've seen all sorts of things with a lot of ambiguity and, and very little clarity. So it, when you have these lines moving around on there and they appear to be changing uh, planes, it, to me, it does look like there is the ability to, to manufacture an offside. Yeah, you're not wrong, mate. You're you're not wrong. Like I've I've heard all the 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 madcap rumors. Apparently, there's a, a betting syndicate that is making millions off this, and that's the only reason why it's still going. Anyway, look, who knows? The fact is, it's absolute bullshit. Paul said, <laughs> like Paul said, it, the the way you they just seem to draw the line and push it, push it, push it one inch, one inch at a time, little increments to to finally. Um, get to where they want it to be and it, it each week is different it's it's absolute madness. And I think my, my huge issue with the offside thing is the spirit of the rule was created so that we weren't creating clear advantages for offensive players right um to sort of balance that the difficulty of playing defense in in in, in the notion of the game to me this notion of drawing a, a one millimeter line and squaring it up and then dialing it in like that completely runs counter to the entire spirit of the rule in general yeah. And I think it's interesting because like, you know, somebody showed the sort of clear and obvious uh, that, you, you know, that clear and obvious clause in there uh, is pretty interesting because they put it in there. But the beginning of the actual rule is VAR is used only for clear and obvious errors or serious misincidents in four match changing situations, goals, penalty decisions, direct red card incidents and mistaken identity. And then the last bit of that clause says, if VAR season error has been made in such a situation, they will intervene regardless of how marginal the decision is. That completely contradicts the first line, which is clear and obvious. Like those, those two things don't, they, you can't run that. Those don't go together. Those contradict each other entirely. So like you can't expect this to, to iron out in the wash if you've got a rule that contradicts itself. And look, these idiots were making mistakes long before technology as well. You know, all like the mistaken identity one, that's because a referee yellow carded the wrong player. Like it happens all the time. Like that mistaken ref. Like, so add more idiots in a fucking airport office, fucking a thousand miles away, 500 miles away. Like, ah, oh, the phrase couldn't organize a piss up in a brewery comes to mind. Well, welcome to the group. Now we have three old and grumpy guys <laughs> complaining about technology. I'm a hair's breadth away from it. I'm, I'm teetering. Loving the vibe in here tonight. <laughs> I, like you say, I know we're never going to go back. Those days are past. Uh, we're never going to go back. Hopefully it will improve uh, so that at least you can kind of slightly go back to being able to celebrate for my mental health, the dog's mental health, everybody involved. I hope like it improves over time and I'm sure it will. Some things will change. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better kind of deal. There are good examples. Uh, I'm sure we'll have an episode that we can kind of like cover uh, other leagues and stuff like that. Or actually this is a good topic for one of our writers to delve into too, uh, in terms of how each league kind of like treats VAR. And that's what annoys me the most probably is the Premier League was the last one to jump in. So, and the whole concept was 
We're going to watch and see what yep. people do and how they screw up so that we can get the best part. Like they literally took the worst part of every goddamn league and came up with a method as opposed to the they opposite. find out all new ways to fuck this shit up. <laughs> Maybe that's why they needed the year. They're like, how can we really fuck this up? It's just brainstorm for a year. You know, it's funny is that that goal that that chalked off that Raheem Sterling scored versus City years ago. Remember when like we could have won? Yeah. On the halfway line. Of, yeah, because of that call. Like I, that's like one of the reasons I was huge on VAR, and I have no faith that that would have changed anything now. <laughs> that's true. Sad but true. Yeah, I don't know. We're stuck with it. Let's hope it gets improved, I guess. But so going back to this is how this whole VAR thing started. And I think, you know, we can go on with VAR for hours and cry. But um, the whole Bobby goal, I mean, I thought, okay, you know, here comes the comeback. And that's kind of like what we needed. It was a perfect time to score before the half and stuff. And it gets chalked off. But at the end of the day, obviously, we come back. And I thought overall, we played well, to be honest with you. Uh, We did deserve that win. And to, in some ways, that comeback win of 2-1 in the last minutes is better overall, in my opinion, than a 2-0 win in regular time. Just because of it's a comeback, it's a belief in winning again, it's belief in kind of keep going at it, keep going at it till the goal comes. Um, what's your take on that, Jamie? I thought it was almost like a better solution not for our it was was massive it was massive like you said a comeback to win in that style to not give up it was like the liverpool of old and yet it's only six months ago you know that's that's what we're saying now that's the ridiculousness of it you know the the liverpool of old oh what do you mean last year when we were fucking invincible pretty much yeah so i mean it was good to win that um because of the var decision because that we felt wronged and it took us to the 91st minute to score. And it was a fantastic goal, by the way. But, you know, one of those good things about having no spectators in the stands is being able to hear everything on the touchline. And um, apparently Jurgen Klopp's celebration at the end was probably just as loud as mine and everybody else's. Um, But yeah, it was, uh, it was great to score at the end, wasn't it? Unreal. Did you see the video uh, that was doing the rounds on uh, LFC TV, where it, it it's one of those interactive videos where it zooms in right on Trent as he captures the ball. Then he pushes it out to the right. Then it zooms in again from a different angle. Oh, it's amazing! If it, I I don't know what the video is called or what that technology is called, but it's fantastic. I thought the thing that was kind of like amazing about that is the shot is not there. Right? <laughs> no way. And so it, like it, a player that hasn't, I mean, it's, it's, I think it says a lot about Trent as a player and his maturity more than anything else. Cause you look at that, the shot isn't there. I guarantee you, if it's somebody who is not at the peak of their confidence, like, you know, Mane, we were talking about, for example, they don't take that shot, but no I thought it was interesting. Cause yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's almost like a 3d uh, simulation of it. You can kind of see what exactly, you know, yeah. what Trent was seeing and, the shot is really not there. That goal looks jam-packed. It looks like there's no way that ball is going to th- go through. He Picasso'd it in. He just painted it in. Like, he's seen the image. He Like, you know, all these greats like Tiger Woods and, and, you know, a bunch of people, they visualize these shots beforehand. Like, that's one where he, he his look of concentration, his face is downwards on the ball. He's got his cheeks puffed out. He's ready to smash it. Like, he sees that goal before he hits it. Like, he, he, he must do. 
more importantly, I know I know Paul mentioned this, so I'm going to come to you, Paul. You were talking about after the first goal uh, on our you know Discord chat. You said something like, "Great things happen when you put the ball on target," and yeah. that's basically how we tapped it. And I think, I mean, isn't that more about if we're going to get this confidence back instead of trying to tap it in? Is it just more about like just cranking more shots? And we were going against a great goalie. I mean, actually, I think in terms of stats, he's on top of the league in many of the stats. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we stopped doing the two things that, that made us great last year offensively. I mean, and that was cranking just shots on frame from everywhere and getting inside the penalty box. I mean, remember when everyone called this penalty pool? Like, I mean, we, we talk shit about Manchester United, but they're getting in spots and making referees make decisions, right? I mean, that's what you have to do. And, like, we're doing this thing where, like, we place a low-block defense and they get eight guys behind the box and we just start recycling possession around it, looking for the perfect opportunity. At some point, you just got to dribble at people, which is what, um, you know, Jota's been great at, pull people out of position, get into a dangerous area, and just start trying to crack something on frame. And I don't think it's, you know, it's obviously not a coincidence that the goals that came came from not necessarily anything but just putting stuff on frame and having opportunities. Um, you know, that's what happens, like – we got that save and Salah's there to pounce on it. You know, like I thought, you know, I thought the game was dusted when they like Martinez made that ridiculous save on uh, Thiago right before Trent's yep. shot. But like, that's another example. Trent's goal came from us in the box, putting pressure, putting the ball somewhat on frame and making deflections and saves and all those things happen uh, because goals come from chaos. I mean, they really do. Having said that, do, do you guys think that, Villa played a bit too brave in some ways and gave us way too much space, especially like throughout the second half. I know when we scored a goal, they were all back there, you know, like trying to kick everything away. But I felt like the goals were going to come because they were giving us a lot of space in midfield. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, and that's that's no fault of our own recently. You know, like a lot of teams are are up for the fight against us because they see a wounded animal. Um, they see that we're not the the acting the same way as we were last season. So I don't know. Um, that that kind of works in our benefit as well. So let let them think that, and then you know we just turn turn the style on, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, and then one last thing I kind of want to touch the shack for Kabak thing. Uh, if we're not getting the results on one or any given day, is that kind of like the next thing to do now? Is that our last? Is that the new Divac Origi move? Bickler, what what are we doing with Kabak? putting in Shaq for Kabak, uh, taking the center back oh, out, I, throwing Shaq in there? So I mean, I've kind of been down on Jurgen this year in general, just based on like tactical decisions he's made. You know, we've talked about the inability to move away from uh, plugging midfielders into center backs as one. His substitutions to me make zero sense across the board ninety five percent of the time this year as in both timing and personnel. So like, I'm not, yeah, I, I don't know why, like we do this thing where we're pulling, like, it, like, are we resting Kabak? Like, what are we doing? Like, and I don't really understand, like, I know that Shaq's like makes an impact off the bench, but like, we don't need that kind of impact in a game like this. So I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. You're not wrong, but the, the few times where he's got it right. Do you remember Curtis Jones's sub where, where Millie's on the bench? He takes Millie off and puts Curtis Jones on. 
so the few times that he's got it right have been monumental, but you're you're definitely not wrong. He's listen, he's got, you got he's got it wrong. Getting it right a game. I'm sure you have done that same thing at least once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> but I think it I, my biggest complaint always has been like waiting too long. And uh, hey, obviously we trust the guy and he's he's done well. And obviously he knows there are a lot of factors that we're not aware of and stuff. I always have felt over the years, even when we had comfortable leads and stuff, we always like wait on substitutions and not take the chances to rest players when possible or get minutes to people who actually need minutes uh, to get back their form and stuff like that. But um, I mean, I kind of like the shack coming off the bench to give that spark thing. And it kind of showed that he was well aware that it was win or throw in the towel, towel for the top four. Uh, so I almost like alluded that to that. I mean, just throwing him in there because we needed that goal. Because let's face it, if we end up with a draw, despite everybody losing points, we still keep having to get three points to be able to get to that top four, which is looking more and more likely as long as we can continue our form, which brings us to the next game. And it's a tough one on Monday against Leeds. Yeah, Jamie, how do you see that one? It's going to be interesting, isn't it? I I remember the, the return leg the sorry the the first game of the season um as if it was yesterday thanks covid um but yeah leads are bls is a great monitor first and foremost um apparently we're in for <laughs> well if you listen to half the rivers we're in for at least two of their team um rafina and uh i forget the other one we've been linked with but um yeah uh, it's a must three points, simple as that. I, I know, I guess the biggest thing is probably we will have, I assume we will see Milner or somebody again in midfield just because of how physical they play. And that's one of like, you know, one of the Elsa's thing. I mean, they're kind of like, it's probably at that time, especially it was the beginning of the season and stuff. And we kind of like battled against them, but obviously we were full force, especially like defensively. Uh, how do you see that one going, Paul? I mean, I, I almost feel like the Wednesday's result will have nothing to do with it unless it's injury related, obviously. But I think we already know who's going to start against Leeds in Klopp's mind. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's a scary game because obviously Leeds is a team that can, can really open it up on you full throttle. They've got a ton of really good young midfielders between Jack Harrison and Stuart Dallas and all these guys, Phillips. Um, but at the same time, they they play open football, right? So they're vulnerable as well. So, I mean, I, I'd much rather play a, a, a team like Leeds that can be scary and presses, but you're going to have opportunities then versus somebody like um, – like Burnley, who's going to hoof it and sit back on you, right? So, I think good thing in some ways, motivation-wise, not that we will, we should need it, but we're the last ones playing. And you're looking at the games. I mean, Everton is playing Spurs. Um, West Ham is going away to Newcastle, who has gotten some decent results and can be dangerous. It's a tough place to go to overall at the end of the day. So we could be in a situation where we can really gain some ground by – getting the three points were the last ones to play. Uh, having said that, let's get some score predictions on that one. Jamie, we'll start with you. What do you have for that game? I know it's kind of, it seems like it's going to be a long time away, but basically this time next week when we're recording the 
podcast, we'll be talking about the fresh results. All all things could have changed by then. You know, we could be we could be either riding high after Champions League or we could be focusing on the Premier League. So uh, either way, I I'm hoping for a clean sheet and a uh, at least a two 0 win. So let me come back to you because you mentioned the Champions. Do you think that would affect it at all? Let's say we go past and we're in the semifinals. Do you think the lineup changes or how we approach the game changes at all? Or probably, you know, you know, Klopp. So, really? Yeah, he he probably will just just because you know him. Like he's he's going to tinker with the team a little bit, um, freshen things up a, a little bit against Leeds. I don't know. It, it could be massive if I, I don't, I'm not even contemplating not getting the comeback on Wednesday night, but um, Monday night's just as big of a game. We need to win that regardless. Yeah. I feel like I say, I, I really think the lineup is already in his head in terms of what he's going to do. I mean, even if you go to the next round, um, I was just looking at that date, it, the semifinals are on the 27th. Uh, so it will be like two games before we get there. And I feel like, you know, this is our chance. And I know a lot of people say, oh, if you don't make it, it is what it is kind of thing. And that's kind of like, I think, very wrong. It's like a very crucial off season for everybody involved. And because of COVID and stuff, there's a lot more variables, obviously, not as much income and all that kind of stuff. We don't necessarily know. We're hoping like next season will be mostly back to normal kind of thing. But I feel like the money coming in would be a huge factor in terms of what we're going to do in summer. Uh, so I feel like getting that top four is crucial, especially when you compare it to the teams that we could be taking the top four away from. I think it makes it even more important. So what, what do you think of that, Paul? I mean, I, I know if you've seen it online, yeah, for, but some for, people for are like, top. you know, what does it matter? Yeah, I mean, look, if you're forcing me to pick one, like I'm picking top four. Like I, I know that's unpop- I know that's unpopular with a lot of people. A lot of people would rather go win the Champions League. Uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, Champions League is is like that is the same thing as top four, right? Because you're guaranteed Champions League football if you win it. But I'm saying, like, if I had to pick, you know, whether we were in the finals or whether we were guaranteed top four, I would pick guaranteed top four. Just because I think missing Champions League football is such a huge and devastating drop, both financially and for the ramifications of the team in general. So, I mean, I think that there needs to be a priority push on top four regardless. For me, I think we start this. I think you're going to see a midfield that has Diago in it. And I think during the weekend, you're going to see Milner in there take that place for uh, against Leeds. That's that's the, the change that I see, um, especially because he seems to be liking to use James in these sort of weekend fixtures now. Um, that's just my guess. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? But uh, if we win, I still think that there are going to be a few changes going into the weekend that Klopp's already kind of had in his mind. Yeah, let's hope for a win in most cases so we can have like a very jolly, no VAR conversation, just talking about victories kind of podcast uh, next Monday. 
So we got a bunch of other stuff going on with American Scouser. So I kind of wanted to touch on that real quick. Um, we hit our 2000 followers. So we're having the new giveaway. Uh, that's, you know, more details should be coming on the website in the next few days here. Uh, we got a bunch of new writers. Uh, David Jennings is with us now from the USA Cup. Uh, and uh, we first published his first article. We have uh, Daniel Keenan and Stephen Mike, um, Scott Michael joining us shortly as well. So several new writers, several new features. Uh, stay tuned with the website as well. And we are always, always looking for more contributors who want to talk Liverpool, uh, kind of like join our like mini family over here, put up with Bickler, Jamie and me and <laughs> others. Uh, but uh, more importantly, you do not have to write if you don't like writing, but you have like a different strength or you want to contribute in a different way. Just get a hold of us. It's one big family, a uh, bunch of grumpy old men, some young guys who are having to deal with grumpy old men like us and everything like that. So uh, I heard that you guessed it on a pod this week. Oh, I'm making the rounds, baby. I'm in the Tonight Show tomorrow. Just so you know, it's like a movie coming out. I, I was actually with the uh, Delaware uh, Sporters Club podcast. Uh, really fun one. Uh, shout out to Paul and Sean over here. I thought I, I, it was really fun. Uh, we covered a lot of um, American Scots, obviously, as well as like the like, little Liverpool talk. But actually, one of the things that came up, uh, we talked a lot about it, and we will publish it on the website, too, is how we came up with the name and why we stuck with the name and what it really means to us and everybody on the website and stuff like that. So uh, we'll be publishing that because I thought uh, Jeff Cutler's piece this week that came out uh, regarding, you know, Scotchers to stop complaining, got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of flag from people who didn't click on the article to read it and just stopped at the title. Uh, Cause I thought it was very well written. It's great to have somebody like Jeff on the site where He's new to the sport. He's new to the club. So I find this perspective is very interesting because some of the questions he asks or some of the things he ponders is very interesting to me because it's kind of like a really oddball thing that you and I maybe like or like a fan who's been around for a long time uh, wants maybe even like think of or think of a new fan even seeing that perspective. So, but yes, Paul. I have been making the rounds, so it should be interesting. Actually, it just went up. Uh, they have a YouTube, too. I probably shouldn't have freaking mentioned this because I'm on video on that one. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's also an audio there on, um, you know, like Apple Podcast uh, as well as Spotify now as well. So uh, definitely give that a listen. Give those guys a listen. Uh, it's a great conversation. They're knowledgeable guys, and they regularly have, like, different – uh, guests like myself from like different Liverpool sporter clubs. Uh, I know they've done like Chicago, Baltimore and stuff like that. So it's always good to talk uh, Liverpool. I, I thought it was a gutsy move for them to put me on video, but. <laughs> Did you have your uh, Allison mustache? I've got the link pulled up here, by the way. It's first day at Top Ice podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to watch it. <laughs> no, I had, uh, yeah, that stash picture was for your eyes only kind of top secret thing. And I realized <laughs> when I shaved and tried to do the Ellison mustache, I looked more like Super Mario than the, real <laughs> the reality else. is he, he probably shaved the mustache just because he heard about your mustache. <laughs> I actually changed my Tinder profile pic to it and I've been doing phenomenally lately. <laughs> <laughs> well, people love Nintendo, man. <laughs> so I can see that. <laughs> well, I mean, you won't get to see my mustache picture ever. Uh, but uh, keep checking out the website. Thank you all for listening. And gentlemen, thank you for joining me. 
And for those of you who have access to the photo, keep it to yourselves. And see you guys next week, hopefully after two Liverpool wins. Take care, everybody.